Hi, I'm Hannah. And I'm Lydia. And we are a pair of bookends. And we were just hoping that we could interrupt this episode to ask you very kindly if you would sign up to our Patreon. Yes, if you have some spare change rattling around in your pocket, we would so appreciate it if you could go over to patreon.com slash a pair of bookends where you can support our work. We have been doing this podcast for nearly two years now and we wanted the opportunity to get to know some of you a little better. And via our Patreon, as well as getting exclusive benefits, you can also have the opportunity to share your own recommendations with us and to chat with us. And it's just a nice place for us to have our own little hub. For less than a price of a coffee, you can get exclusive Patreon-only benefits, such as our Patreon-exclusive book club, where you get to pick the book that we read each month, and also... Early access to all podcast episodes. And your chance to ask our authors your own questions. So please do, if you can, sign up to our Patreon via patreon.com slash a pair of bookends and support our work. We would appreciate it more than you can imagine and it helps us hugely to bring you all the extra special stuff. So come and officially become a bookend. Now on to today's episode. Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Hello and welcome to our monthly culture roundup for February, where we chat about all of the things we've enjoyed this month, from TV to podcasts and films to books. We will be deep diving into the best bits of each month. So let's begin. Lydia, what are you currently reading? I am currently reading Unearthing by Kyle McClure. Oh, how funny, because so am I. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing that I will say is I've just finished reading Mrs. Dalloway, which I know you also have just finished reading. We have, yes. But if you want to listen to us chat all about the book and deep dive into it, and believe you me, we had very different opinions on a lot Mm -hmm. of it, then please think about becoming part of our Patreon community and becoming officially a bookend um, where you can listen to that exclusive episode. And you can find that at patreon.com slash a pair of bookends. This was such an unintentional segue, but here we are. <laughs> What's on your TBR then that's not po- podcast books? Oh, so what do I really want to read next? So I am still yet to get to Burnham Ward by Elna Catton. Mm. And it's just, it was Watstone's book of, uh, fiction book of the month for Feb. So I really do want to read it because I've mm-hmm. heard so many booksellers wax lyrical about how great that is. Mm-hmm. I also managed to get my hands on a copy of The Luminaries. Ooh. And I'm like, Maybe that. So what about you? What's on your TBR? I've still not read Nuclear Family by Kate Davis, which I spoke about on the last roundup. And I was very kindly sent that, but I haven't read it yet, which is poor for me because it's out now. Um, And I also need to read the Karen Goddard book that I spoke about in the last episode. So I'm really eager to read those. And then I think there's a couple of March releases, but I will save those for the end of the episode. Very nice. Mm. So Hannah, could you start us off with our first recommendation of things you have enjoyed for this month? We can't because we must speak about the Women's Prize for Nonfiction. <gasps> the 
you mean? Put that bit. <laughs> so I feel like we need to read out the list like yeah. we've done on our previous episodes, but this is the inaugural Women's Prize for Nonfiction, which yeah. is very exciting. So obviously we want to pay tribute to that on this episode. Very, very first ever Women's Prize for Nonfiction, and it is It's been a long incredible. time coming. Okay, so Hannah, let's dive into the list. So on this year's Women's Prize for Nonfiction long list, we have Intervals by Marianne Brooker. All That She Carried by Tia Miles. Wifedom by Anna Funder. Shadows at Noon by Joya Chatterjee. Codependent, Living in the Shadow of AI by Madamita Mergia. Eve by Kat Bohannon. A Flat Place by Noreen Mazoud. Some People Need Killing by Patricia Evangelista. Thunderclap by Laura Cumming. The Dictionary People by Sarah Ogilvy. Vulture Capitalism by Grace Blakely. Young Queens by Leah Radman Chang. The Britannias by Alice Albinia. Matrescence by Lucy Jones. Doppelganger by Naomi Klein. And How to Say Babylon by Sophia Sinclair. Gorgeous. Oh, uh, yes. Lydia, what are you most excited to read? Doppelganger by Naomi Klein. Of obviously. course. Of course. I have already got myself a copy. It is behind me here. Love I'll that for you. Out. Just for the viewing pleasure of the people listening, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it has been on my radar for a while mm-hmm. and I've heard so much about it and I, I just can't wait. I, and I'm so happy to see it on there as well. Yes. Um, so I really, really am excited about that. And I'm also super excited about the fact that Intervals by Marion Brooke has been um, put on there. I wonder I why. Oh yeah, it's just you know about grief. It's not just, not oh. really your cup of tea. That don't, <laughs> I don't think you'll like it. What about you, Hannah? What are you most excited to see? Well, I'm of course also excited about Doppelganger by Naomi Klein. I was intrigued by Wifedom by Anna Funder mm-hmm. purely because I did like 1984 by George Orwell, and I'm intrigued to see what has been going on behind the scenes and whether that will taint my reading experience of that book and whether it'll change my feelings towards him. So I'm not sure because Wifedom is described as Mrs. Orwell's invisible life. So I'm always intrigued about stories of men that have been successful and the women that have supported them and held them up and how they've been treated. But I don't know what direction this book is gonna go in. I am also, thanks to Joseph, who is the host of the Novel Thoughts podcast. Um, He has got me excited for Thunderclap by Laura Cumming, which I wasn't excited about before. Um, But he said that it was, I'm gonna read actually the the bio of this, the bio, the blurb. On the morning of 12th of October, 1654, a gunpowder explosion devastated the Dutch city of Delft. The thunderclap was heard over 70 miles away. Among the fatalities was the painter, Karel Fabricius, definitely pronounced that wrong, dead at 32, leaving only his haunting masterpiece, The Goldfinch, and barely a dozen known paintings. The explosion that killed him also buried his reputation, along with answers to the mystery of his life and career. What happened to Fabricius before and after this disaster is just one of the discoveries in a book that explores the relationship between art and life, interweaving the lives of Laura Cumming, her Scottish painter father, who also died too young, and the great artists of the Dutch Golden Age. I thought that sounded really interesting and it wasn't something that I thought would appeal to me before, but 
yeah, thanks Joseph. I am officially intrigued by that. I was also interested in, I don't know how to say this word, matricence by Lucy Jones, which the subtitle for that is on the metamorphosis of pregnancy, childbirth and mother motherhood. And we just know that I love reading about motherhood. So I'm excited for that. And also how to say Babylon actually, because I've heard really good things. I don't really know much about it, but I've just heard really good things and loads of people on Bookstagram have been raving about it. So I'm very mm. excited about that. Now, I don't know if it was out of the eligibility window or mm. not. But where the heck is strong female character by I Fern felt Bates? the same. I was expecting it on there as well. But again, I, I'm the same. I don't know what the eligibility... I don't know yeah. when... Also, I, because I feel like it's done so well everywhere. And it's still yeah. doing so well. Yeah. I didn't feel don't feel like it's been out that long. But I could be wrong. So... But also, I'm thinking, is that... is Because I was also thinking, where's Normal Women by Philippa Gregory? But mm. I'm thinking, are these titles that already have the spotlight on them and are they looking for giving women that have been overlooked the chance to be on the list as opposed to the I mean... names like Philippa Gregory I mean Philippa Gregory is huge so she doesn't need to be on that list. I mean, I would disagree on the basis of Barbara Kingsolver winning the fiction prize last year. Yeah, no, so, but I mean, I mean, in in terms of curating a long list. Yeah, yeah. Like, do they have they kind of erred away from the more well known names so that we could have the people that have generally been passed over? Yeah. And it's a really great diverse long list. So I feel like there's a lot that, that people will get out of this. It feels very varied in terms of experiences and stories and storytelling styles. And just the fact that it's nonfiction and there's such an array of it. I just think it's really exciting. It's a really exciting time. So I'm, yeah. I'm really happy that they've finally done this because I know it's something that people have wanted for a long time. Yeah, and I think this also you can sort of see whilst it is a list of very many different perspectives and stories there is a lot about womanhood uh, about female identity mm-hmm. about body that runs throughout quite a lot of these mm. books that you don't normally see in a non-fiction long list yeah and that i genuinely believe that is because it's the women's yeah. non-fiction yeah. and it's like here are the themes that we we don't get to see enough of yeah I think it's so funny as well because I saw somebody take a picture at the airport the other day of the non-fiction charts in like a WH Smith at the airport and it is yeah. horrific the percentage split of men to women yeah it's, right, it's like, horrific it's about 80 20 awful so I'm yeah. hoping that this will elevate more non-fiction and give them the platform that they deserve a hundred percent yeah it would it hopefully this is the start of having more women non-fiction writers in the mm. mainstream i also moving on from the women's prize for non-fiction i want to quickly mention because it's a monthly culture roundup and this is culture i want to mention the the baftas were on last night and um, I watched a bit of it and I wanted to know if you had watched some of it. I have. I mean, David Tennant is my first love. Iconic. So Such a good host. I'm a fantastic host. I had to watch him. <laughs> yeah. Was it last night or was it the night before? Night before. Night before. Very good. <laughs> I had a real panic. And I don't know if you watched this moment live, but when Oppenheimer was announced as best film and they went on the stage and then the writer was like, come on everyone, like, because only the the writer, I think she's called Emma Thomas, 
And obviously the director, Christopher Nolan and um, Kelly Murphy went up on the stage and she was like beckoning for the rest of them to come along. And then this random guy just kind of went on the stage, but stood with them as though like he belonged there. So at first I thought nothing of it. And then when I was looking at him, I was like, I don't remember you from the film and you look kind of too young to be a producer, but I'm happy to be wrong. But I've watched too much Trigger Point. I've watched the whole new series of Trigger Point in the last month and I saw his pocket and there was a wire coming out of his pocket and I was like am I about to watch like Killian Murphy get blown up live like I cannot Christopher Nolan like what is happening I've watched too much sugar point so I just couldn't stop staring at this wire and then he tucked it away so I was like it's definitely like a phone charger or something or whatever but he just tucked it into his trousers and then nobody made a thing about it and then I was like I was going to sleep last night and then I just suddenly was like who was that person? Because once it had ended and nobody made a think about it, I'd forgotten about it. But then I was like, no, who is that person? So I Googled it and it was like this YouTube prankster that had, um, is like known for turning up at these award ceremonies and that's what he'd done. But that really took me by surprise. Wasn't expecting that. The two speeches that I really enjoyed was Divine Joy Randolph. And I think she won Best Actress for her role in The Holdovers, which I've not watched yet, but I'm hearing so many good things about it. Her speech was just incredible. Like it really moved me. And also um, Samantha Morton's. Samantha Morton. Gorgeous speech, all about representation. We love to see it. Such a great speech. And it was just a really nice one for women this year, I think. And also Emma Stone winning Best Actress has made me think I have to read Paul things very soon. Because I've been hearing so much about how good the film is and I really, really want to watch it and I really, really want to read the book before I watch it. It was also Mm -hmm. a really great um, BAFTAs for adaptions. And I don't know if I've been saying this wrong this whole time. Is it adaptations or is it adaptions? Because I've always said adaptations. Are they both right? You can say both. I think excellent but it's been a very good year for that absolutely and I think that it's for me it's always a difficult thing when it's an adaptation because I feel like a lot of the time with adaptations that that are done of books it's kind of six degrees of separation Mm -hmm. so you have the the author then the screenwriter Mm -hmm. then the director then the actor It has to and fill then up the so interpretation people, yeah. of it, yeah. and it's kind of like right, okay. If if the the feeling of the book manages mm-hmm. to to survive that process, it, yes, that's when you've got a really good movie or film. Now, on the subject of adaptations, shall we get into our recommendations? Let's move on. <laughs> I think we should start with something that I feel is a joint choice. Am I right in thinking yeah. that? One hundred percent. What am I talking about, Lydia Claire? One day. (laughs) One day, the Netflix adaptation of David Nichols' book. Lydia, give me your thoughts. Okay, so uh, let me just tell you, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back to 16-year-old Lydia. I'm going to take you back to 16-year-old Lydia on a bus to college. Finishing off the book one day after having been given it by my teacher. And then walking into college in a state of hysteria, having cried publicly on a bus, okay? This book has my heart. It is very dear to me. I am very, very picky about the adaptations. Can Mm -hmm. we not even speak about the massacre of the film adaptation? Mm. I cannot, cannot cope with the fact that that was so badly done. Mm -hmm. So moving on from that... (laughs) 
Which, just um, to touch on, interestingly, I'm still re-listening to the Hilo, and mm-hmm. I listened to an episode that they did back in like 2018, and they mm-hmm. were talking about, that one of the topics they were speaking about was women's bias against other women and like internalized misogyny and there's a clip that they played about Anne Hathaway speaking about this topic and she's speaking about working on one day and saying that she's really concerned when she thinks back to that time that she mistreated the director and didn't put her trust in that director because Mm. that director was a woman so Mm. I do wonder if there was something in there going on with the way that that was portrayed on screen if there was something that went wrong along the way yeah I I mean it was a shambles it was a shambles from start to finish um (laughs) let me tell you do not employ an American actress to play a woman from Yorkshire Mm. and um well sorry say that again (laughs) do not employ an american actor and yeah it just i found it very very it was just like right okay i'm dismissing this and i didn't um that's not to say that i don't love Anne hathaway i think she's a brilliant actor me too um just she was just um not not the right person for the right role and so i went into this thinking oh my gosh i really really just hope that this is what i want it to be Mm. and it got off to a shaky start oh because the casting i was like yet again they have not employed a northern Northern actor for a northern role right Mm. and i'm like i don't want to listen to someone drop the tease i just it just drives me mad but i was like right okay and then i gave it five minutes and then i woke up three days later crying and it's the best thing ever yeah so it did it it did itself proud it really did and uh amika mob is brilliant oh my god incredible yeah so that's all i have to say (laughs) i have no notes on the casting (laughs) process and, and i feel the same about like can we employ more Northern actors, especially when there's Northern roles for them? Like, for the love of God, there's not enough of us represented on screen. So when there's actually Northern character, let's give us that role. Do you know what what I mean? What I couldn't understand was, why were her parents Mancunian, but she was allegedly from Leeds? Like, it was like, we'll just have generic Northern accents for these three people. And it's like, yeah, but they're from different regions. Mm. Can you explain that, please? Yeah. The chemistry between Leah Woodall and Amber Kamard, gorgeous. But I, I think his name is Johnny Weldon that played Ian. I thought their scenes together were so good. One of my favourite episodes was between, and I feel like I don't know how much we want to tread around spoilers here, so skip ahead if you've not watched it all yet. But yeah, just, yeah, I think it's episode seven where... And I'm going to speak around it, so not too much is given away, but he's let himself back into her flat, mm. back into their flat. And she finds him there and she's like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is between Em and Ian. And she like loses her head and he loses his head. And it's like the whole like desperation of a breakup. And we, we are showing the worst sides of ourselves, but we feel so desperate in that moment that only the worst side of ourselves is going to come up. And it's like, it, it reminded me of why I loved the dialogue in Marriage Story so much. Yes, yes. It was very much that, that like fraught, distressed, desperation, um, all coming to the surface. And it was so explosive and just brilliant. So I absolutely fucking adored that episode. For me, everyone's been raving about the ending. For me, episodes 11 and 12 were better than 13 and 14 for me. So that's probably a controversial opinion. But 
I really enjoyed those. The scene where he goes to Paris thinking mm. it's going to be one thing and then it being something else. That 10 minutes of TV destroyed me. I thought it was yeah. so freaking good, so well performed, so well written. It was just gorgeous. And then her coming back in and saying, you're fake tonsillitis. And I'm not going to say anything else on that, but those two episodes were my favourite episodes of the whole thing. I thought so beautiful. And also the episode with Dex, with his mum and his dad drives him to the train station and he says I, I carried her to bed i put her to sleep and his dad goes so that yeah. whole argument between oh my gosh just gorgeous and him having a yeah. complete meltdown at the payphone at the station just mm. like gorgeous so for me the ending i mean i've i've only read the book once and i obviously want to reread this book but i've only read it once I think I read it either last year or the year before. I feel like it would have been two years ago that I read it, I think. No, it would have been two years ago because I read it for yeah, Pandora's next episode. Yeah. yeah. So I read it for that. And like, I feel like there's, like, I want to remember like what was shown on screen in this adaptation and what wasn't. But I thought it was a really good a adaptation. I thought the casting was brilliant. The actress that plays Tilly, actress, I don't like saying that word, actor that plays Tilly, stunning, loved her. I thought she was so great. And I and I loved Ian as well. I just thought, yeah, great all round. Tim Mc... Oh, I can never say his second name. What is it? McInery. He's fantastic in it. And he is quietly brilliant and so, so good in every single scene. Because mm. what he does is he kind of just waits in all of the scenes, he just waits for these little moments and he has these little pockets of just mm -hmm. brilliance. And it's yeah. like, when you're given not a lot to work with, mm -hmm. you can either chew the scenery or you can be fantastic. And yeah. he is incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so phenomenal in it. I love the scenes. Like you said, that scene in the, in the car when he's driving him back and he's just on the edge of his tether. Yeah, yeah. You're like, He's got, and he just explodes. Yeah. But it's his son, so he can't, it's like he can't, he can't direct that energy. It's yeah. just, oh, it's amazing. Incredible. It okay. Lydia, what is, <laughs> <laughs> we, we loved it, but we can't, we can't talk about it any more than we already have because you if you've not watched it, you have to go and watch it and we can't give anything away. So Lydia, what is your next recommendation for me? So my next recommendation is a book, a book that I read this month, and it is called In Ascension by Marty McGuinness. Let's um, talk about that. It is a beautiful science fiction novel, and it is um, a gorgeous look at family and grief, and it's all grounded in very real, very uh, relevant topics, but it's just so dynamic i yeah. mean I, it's so phenomenal i've got one quote from it that oh happens. god just let's have it oh it's just so brilliant he writes with such a a beautiful style i mean he writes from a woman's perspective in a very very convincing way um and this is them talking about sort of talking about grief everyone should be acknowledged everyone should be missed when they are not right there with you because of what they carry this very distinct way they have of bearing themselves that is like no one else and that is built by everything they have done and everything they have seen. Gorgeous. And it's basically, it's about one woman's life as she grapples within a mother who is starting to deteriorate mentally. 
mm-hmm. in old age. Her sister, who's been left behind to deal with that, while she goes off and follows a career path that takes her away from home and takes her away from from basically reality mm-hmm. in every sense of the word. So she goes, she has to go on a space exploration mission, but that's all just metaphor for the fact that she's not at home with the right. people that she'd be with and. The further away she gets, the further away she gets physically, the further away she gets emotionally Mm. and distance is vast. And the last chapter is worth the whole book alone. It's just unbelievable. Do you think I'll enjoy it? I think you will love it. It's about sister dynamics. It's about a mother-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. Don't, I think, what I want to say to people and what I would say to you, Hannah, because I know you're not a science fiction Mm -hmm. fan. That's what worries me. Is it's just her job. Mm -hmm. It's just her job. She just happens to have a job that means that she has to go to space, right? Yeah. But that is it. Yeah. The rest of the book is so grounded in reality, is so grounded in the minutiae of family, Mm -hmm. of, of grief, of betrayal, of trust, of you know sisterly affection mm-hmm. and and sisterly you know hate mm, you know yeah either and distrust all of that is there and it is so well written mm. it just it's just incredible and the longer i have away from it the more i think it's just a truly fantastic piece of, of science fiction it's gorgeous just so i cannot stop banging on about it so yeah if you've not got in ascension on your tbr mm-hmm. you have now gorgeous i'm excited to read it now i want to be yeah, making that off you very quickly i will be giving it to you don't you worry thank you very much um, so hannah what have you been enjoying this month so this month has been quite a difficult month personally my granddad is very poorly in hospital so i've not had much brain space to be consuming lots of different things so it's been a lot about trying to find things that make me happy um because there's been a lot of times just feeling sad and yeah i just need joy I just need little pockets of joy in the moments that I'm not, you know, feeling sad. And um, there's been a lot of time in my spare time spent sat by his bedside at the hospital. So I needed good things. And Beyonce delivered for me this month. Oh my God. Beyonce delivered. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not a, it's not a niche recommendation, but it's the song Texas Hold'em. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about it. So it's a joint recommendation. I've just held up my notes and recommendation number four is Texas Hold'em by Beyonce. <laughs> oh my God, it is such a bop. And this was announced at the Super Bowl. I love Beyonce. I'm a huge fan of hers. So I was so excited when it was new music and it was country. So I was like, don't really listen to country. Am I going to like this? Oh my God, her voice for, with country music works perfectly. It's my, it's my new hyperfixation song. So anyone that knows me knows that if I like a song or like anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this might tell you a lot about my personality, um, <laughs> but I get hyperfixated on it. I have listened to that song about 40 times. Yeah, like, you and me both. Repeat, and I can't stop it. I love it so much. So it's such a bop. And I also want to recommend alongside that is um, the TikTok at Two Gay Mats reviewing it because they are just it brings me so much joy to like to watch them um and they review different songs and you have to watch it Lydia you're gonna love it so much I let me know what you think and, but and they are me. like listening to it for the first time and they're really having a little bop to themselves and then like picking up different lyrics and being like oh my god this is gorgeous 
the, one of the things that they said that really stuck with me and I was like that is it that's what makes this song so gorgeous is it's so fun but it's also a really romantic song mm. and I was like that is it just gorgeous no notes Beyonce no notes yeah I absolutely love it and I think that it's Beyonce back to her best I personally personally don't come at me um I thought her last album was a bit meh. um I, I did love all the songs on it I liked some of them but not all of them but yeah, yeah I, well, I, I feel I like this is back to this is back to uh when we had Beyonce the album yes yes um I think it's back to I think people are going to be doing the dance I think mm-hmm. people are going to be obsessed with the song like I am and I think that I really want an album that I can listen to on repeat learn all the words learn all the songs mm-hmm. Um, make up dances with my sisters like you know do like do all of that stuff and be like this is you want to you want that and I think that this hopefully is going to be the album you can't listen to the song and be sad you can't I think it's going to be the album of the summer I think we're still going to be singing these songs come September yeah October time I think we're still going to be singing these songs yeah and I'm I'm excited about it and I think it's so nice to see new music coming from her that I think I'm going to enjoy so 100%. yeah, so it was also my recommendation. <laughs> Love that. Love that for us. <laughs> What's next up for you, Lid? Next up for me is a booktuber that I Ooh. absolutely love. And Hannah, you will know this. We've met him. Um, and that is at Savage Reads. Love him. So Simon Savage. I have to shout out about him today because um I have been a long, long watcher of his booktube channel. Mm-hmm. He's also a presenter on the Sky Arts Book Club. He does great um, in-person author interviews, um, with uh, especially with like Waterstones and bookshops, independent mm-hmm. bookshops as well. He's a massive advocate for independent bookshops. He's a massive advocate for reading by whim, for not reading for content. And the content that he does create is always informative, imaginative. And I just absolutely love his videos. They mm-hmm. are great great comfort videos if you want to chuck them on he does so much with his mom as well mm. with louise from, and she's in um louise savage muses muses she has her own channel and they've just got the women's prize non-fiction long list through and they've been doing these videos about it and it just gets you in the mood to love books love, that. love reading and he's so brilliant and when i say that he is in person so so just humble and lovely he's just brilliant and I've I've really really enjoyed watching all of his content and I can't wait to see what what he's got in store for the next Mm -hmm. year because every everything he creates is just so so much about the love of books Mm. that if you are a fan of books and you want to and you want to dive more into the booktube stuff at savage reads follow him on instagram follow him um on youtube because it's just absolute catnip we love him we love him (laughs) how about you hannah so next up for me is the booker prize podcast the episode why Sally Rooney's Normal People is more than just a love story. And the hosts of this was Joe Hamier and James Walton. And I thought they did such a great job of exploring Sally Rooney's back catalogue, talking about how she writes, the themes that she explores that come up across the board, the way she writes characters, her storytelling style. I mean, I absolutely adore Sally Rooney. I'm wearing 
normal people jumper today that wasn't actually on purpose i've just realized that um <laughs> i i love her so much and i really love the way that she writes and the way that she writes characters and i think you know there is so much that you can get from her book it's so important politically reading her book you know it's it, there's so many important political themes that she explores and there's so many important things that she says about like modern society and like who we are as people and mm -hmm. i just think there's something in there for everybody but this book this book this episode was so great i love normal people i thought the the tv adaptation of normal people is one of the best adaptations i've seen ever but just speaking about that book because i've spent so long thinking about the adaptation of it going back and, and thinking about the book itself um was so great and i think it was the same as you know we've just recorded our um book club episode on mrs dalloway um, and talking through it makes you think of so many more things about the book that you don't think when you're reading it and that's what that episode gave to me and just filled me with this whole like whole new excitement and love for her even though that excitement and love is already there it just gave me so much more to think about and i think joe hamio in particular was so is clearly so passionate about sally rooney i think she wrote her dissertation on something to do with sally rooney and she was a bookseller at the time when uh, normal people came out so she saw like the journey of it and how big it went um and i think that was just so incredible to listen to and actually think like how young Sally Rooney was when she actually started writing and how like prolific she's become. She's like easily going to be one of the greatest writers of our generation. She is so many endorsements that will say like the next Sally Rooney. And for me, I'd, be, I'd feel like that's a fucking compliment and a half, <laughs> but I understand why it annoys people. Um, but that episode was such a great listen and I just, I can't recommend it enough. I have listened to that episode myself <laughs> and I have to say it was incredible. Cool, okay. It immediately made me want to run and reread the book. Yeah. The way that Joe talks about, I think she said she's read it like 12 times or something. Yes, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's read it like totally, and every time she's cried at different bits. Yeah. And, you know, and she's like, part of it's just, you know, she's going through a breakup herself. So mm -hmm. she cries, you know, certain bits. And then, you know, she she's now engaged. So she feels differently about yes. that. Yeah. And I thought, that is, that is the how a book stands the test of time. 100%. The same as One Day by David Nichols. I know that, I think it, it's Pandora, isn't it? Pandora Sykes, who's read One Day yeah. about 40 billion times. Yeah. A comfort read. These books, these books particularly about relationships um and pivotal relationships relationships that tend to last a long time mm -hmm. uh, over a course of a course of either you know your coming of age time or your entire life mm -hmm. um they they can keep giving you stuff no matter how old you get yeah you get something different from it every time you read it mm -hmm. um i'm not a huge rereader i do reread some things but on my list to reread this year are normal people and one day and Love because that. of that specific reason and yeah and that podcast it's it's a phenomenal podcast mm -hmm. um with brilliant presenters and yeah and it's a great deep dive into a fantastic 100 percent. lydia what is your next recommendation is this okay. your last one it is my last Ooh. one since you stole mine, Beyonce. So sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, no, it is a film. Ooh. So it is the film Nyad, and it's about swimmer Diana Nyad's attempt to swim the Straits of Florida. Mm -hmm. and it is based on her book find a way and it is directed and i want to get this right it's directed by elizabeth chai varsahelie and jimmy chin it stars jodie foster annette benning and risa fans and it's 
is cracking. Oh. I have loved it. Um, it I can tell it's going to be a, a film I'm going to rewatch mm-hmm. immediately. And it's just all about celebrating eccentricity. Diana Nyad is an eccentric. Mm-hmm. She's a bit bonkers. I mean, you'd have to be bonkers anyway to swim across the Straits of Florida. I mean, it's just absolutely bonkers. But they celebrate her in all mm. of her weirdness. They're all, it also shines a complete light on the fact that someone can be selfish yeah. and a little bit egotistical mm-hmm. and all of these things, but still lovable and entertaining and fantastic and just beautiful and loved by the people around her. It's also a fantastic, fantastic portrayal of her kind of constant companion by Jodie Foster, who just shines through throughout every scene. I would love it to sweep the Oscars Gorgeous. because it, it's it's just phenomenal, and it's about women and about the perseverance of spirit. Mm-hmm. And about older women and shining the light on them for once. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. It's brilliantly shot, brilliantly directed. And um, I can't stop banging on about how great it is. So, yeah. Is that on Netflix? It's on Netflix, yeah. Yeah. You're a Netflix queen at the moment. I know, right? through it all. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible. So um yeah, Jodie Foster is just phenomenal in it mm. and she deserves she deserves an Oscar for. I'm excited to watch this now. Yeah. It wasn't on my radar, but yeah, I'm excited. You've got me excited for it. Yeah, it's brilliant. So are we on your last one now, Hannah? We are indeed. Go on. My last recommendation is All of Us Strangers because I said I was going to watch that this month and I have. And I just think that Andrew Scott fucking hell shines so much in this film. I And, and the funny thing is, is that like I am such a big fan, arguably a, a bigger fan of Paul Mescal than I am of Andrew Scott. Mm. I adore Andrew Scott, but I'm a bigger fan of Paul Mescal. But Andrew Scott really shines in this film. Like his performance is just like staggering. It's so mm. unbelievably beautiful. And you can so tell that he's had the lived experience of that character, a similar lived experience as the character he plays. And there is this moment. So there's so much in the film and I have to be so careful about the way I speak about it because I want people to enjoy this. I want people to enjoy this for themselves. Um, obviously it's an adaptation I think the book is very different from the film I think there's a lot of different choices that have been made Um, but I know for it's a very common thing in contemporary Japanese fiction so I've been told um, that like ghosts and the culture around ghosts and the way we speak to our loved ones that have passed it's a very like common thing in Japanese culture so it's interesting that they haven't gone with Japanese actors for this and it's very different Um, it's the two Irish actors but then Paul Mescal has this northern accent, which I wasn't expecting, so that was random. But anyway, um, it explores a lot of things about like grief and about the the kind of tug of war you have with yourself and how you feel like you wish you had moments with a person and kind of coming to terms with that and sort of healing after losing a loved one. And there's things about sexuality in there and how it feels for queer people to live with that part of their identity and how it, how the people around them and the way that they're treated by the people around them, how that changes the way they feel about themselves and all those kind Mm -hmm. of 
things it brought up a lot of interesting kind of thoughts and conversations around that and I feel like that so many people are going to get so many different things from this film the cast are just like they're completely excelling this there's a particular scene between um Jamie Jamie Bell and Andrew Scott that had me blubbing like an absolute baby like it was just beautiful um but I really want you to watch this so we can chat about it so I'm not going to give anything else away but it was such a gorgeous film and definitely didn't take the direction that I was expecting from the trailer it was like totally different to what I expected but it was really really beautiful and um I cried a lot so <laughs> god knows how you'll be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I suspect that it's going to be a difficult one for me mm-hmm. to watch. Um, yeah, with my past experiences of 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 grief and and unresolved grief, I think yeah. sometimes um it's I think sometimes you have to be wary when you approach things like that. I mean, I know that a lot of times it can catch you off guard. Yeah, and I think it's good to know going in that it's going to be about that. But I know that I'm going to love it. I mean, Andrew Scott is just he's phenomenal. just phenomenal yeah and um he i first watched andrew scott in sherlock and there is a line that where he says it is my only weakness that i think is one of the best best delivered lines in television history so gorgeous i adore him and everything he does love that <laughs> this is an andrew scott scan scan stan account now thank you yeah uh, stan podcast uh so that is all of our recommendations i believe it is Another yeah one. one um one highlight from this month that i think we both absolutely loved was going to to meet maddie gray in real yes. life mm-hmm um, and we went to Waterstones Deansgate in Manchester yeah. and we listened to her chat about Green Dot. Yeah. And that was an absolutely brilliant evening and mm-hmm. brilliantly hosted by Martha. Martha. Yes. <laughs> we love you, Martha. That is no surprise to you by now. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, we had an, a brilliant night, a gorgeous night. And, you know, Maddie is just the most gorgeous and talented human being. Totally. Um, so we, I, I think I can speak on behalf of us both when I say that that was a real big highlight. 100%. 100%. What are you excited for in the upcoming month, Lydia? The Oscars. Yes. When is and that? It is 10th of March. Oh my gosh. I'm super excited. I've booked it off work. Of course. I'd expect nothing and, less. Yeah. And as usual, we'll be gathering with my nearest and dearest well into the wee hours of the morning to watch it and pretend we are on the red carpet Excellent. and cry, laugh and celebrate alongside all of the celebrities because we cannot wait. But yes, I, I really want to see Nyad win some and I want to see, uh, I would have loved to have seen Greta Gerwig win something and I think it's an absolute travesty that she's not been nominated. Mm. Now, very true. Um, but I, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Oscars. Um, I think that's the thing that's most on my radar. Gorgeous. Um, I am excited to watch Alice and Jack, a new Channel 4 drama that I've been seeing loads about. I think I am definitely the target audience for that series. It's got some phenomenal actors in it and it just looks like a really beautiful, heartbreaking series and I'm so ready for it. I've been desperate to watch that. Um, There's three books that I want to give a shout out to, all coming out in March, which I'm very excited about. One is um, may have been given to me by somebody who I'm not going to mention, but this person managed to nab me a proof of, I don't know how to say this word, Prima Farsi, is that how you say it? Prima Farsi? Okay. I'd say Prima Farsi. 
prima facie. Um, so this is, by, this is by Susie Miller, who wrote the smash hit play, which was the one woman show by Jodie Comer, which I regrettably did not get to see. So that was devastating, but I'm excited to read the book and I'm very intrigued about, I don't think we get many adaptations like that at all, where it goes from the stage to the book. Yeah, so, yeah. Very intrigued by that choice, um, but I'm really excited to read that. Um, I was sent by Borough Press, Annie Bott by Sierra Gray. I should have said, sorry. Um, Prima Farsi is published by Hutchinson Heinemann, and it is out on the 14th of March. Annie Bott, which was sent to me via my Bookstagram account, it is out on the 14th of March also. And the it's described as a literary debut from a stunning new voice. This is a story about womanhood and identity, power and abuse, and the future of AI. And I think there's another book coming out this year that's slightly similar to that. That's Hey Zoe by Sarah Crossan, which I'm very excited for. So I'm really intrigued to see how these different writers are going to explore AI. And I think we're going to see a lot more fiction around that surfacing because a lot of writers are concerned about the rise in AI and how that's being utilised in terms of publishing and writers. And yeah, it's a really interesting topic. So I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, I've also, seen, um, sorry, I've, yeah. I've seen um, uh, In the Blink of an Eye, I read last month by Joe Callahan, and that's all about AI and an mm. AI, AI detective. And it's, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a very prominent topic. 100%. In publishing. Um, and the last book that I wanted to mention is out on the 21st of March and we were very kindly sent this by Verve. <gasps> ah! And I've just seen <laughs> that they've given us a little bookmark as well, so that is very cute. <laughs> Love that, that little moment of realisation that you've got a bookmark. <laughs> Gorgeous. Oh, it slipped out. Um, that This is Paper Names by Susie Lowe. I think that's how you say their name. I'm sorry if I've mispronounced that. Um, but I'm going to quickly read the blurb of that. Outside a New York apartment building, an attempted mugging alters the lives of three people. Tony, a Chinese-born engineer turned Manhattan doorman who immigrated to the United States to give his family a better life. His daughter, Tammy, who grapples with the expectations surrounding a first-generation American as she grows into an ambitious young woman. And Oliver, a charming white lawyer with a dark family secret who is continuously propelled towards Tammy and Tony, whether by fate or his choices. Set in New York and China over three decades, Paper Names explores what it means to be American from three different perspectives. As Tony, Tammy and Oliver each strive for their own American dream and make sacrifices to attain it, every joyous and heartbreaking twist in their stories begs the question, was it all worth it? Ooh, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait to read that. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. So thank you to Verve for sending us uh, a copy of that. We're, we're very excited to read it and we can't wait to shout about it. So We really can't. Mm -hmm. And in bookish event news, we will be going to see Friend of the Pod and former guest Bobby Palmer. Yes. At uh, Manchester Deansgate again. Yes. Um, to hear him talk about his new novel, which I'm very excited to see. Small Hours, which is out in March. Yeah. So is, is that the 14th as well? I believe that. I could be wrong now. I I'm willing to be wrong. Coming out mid-March. Mid-March. So I'm yeah. very excited to read that because we both loved Isaac and the Egg. So uh, honestly, I love Isaac and the Egg. We I, at my bookshop we have a little stand where we have our bookseller recommendations, mm. and currently Isaac and the Egg is on there next to The Wager by David Graham, as it should be. Uh, this was so fun. 
and we hope you enjoyed our second episode in our monthly culture roundup if you want extra content from us please do head on over to our patreon patreon.com slash a pair of bookends where you will find the mrs dalloway episode that we have been speaking about if you would like to follow us anywhere else you can do so at a pair of bookends pod on instagram where you will see lots of recommendations for us for us or from us and at a pair of bookends on twitter and tiktok and yeah we can't wait to come back in a month's time and see what we've been enjoying then amazing it's been a pleasure now i'm gonna go and um hit play on beyonce gorgeous as you should goodbye (laughs) bye